Big Red Revival. Welcome into the Big Red Revival podcast, season four, episode one. Uh, after a, another long off season, football season is upon us once again. Here we are, early August, twenty days till kickoff. So uh, it's been a while since the last time we left off to you. But before we jump into the episode breakdown, uh, you know, Zach, kick over to my man, co-host Zach Raby, QB one. What's happening, man? Oh, just you know, we're. It's getting close. There's been a couple mornings where you can feel that fall crisp in the air, but correct. Um, that was short-lived because we're just in the midst of a terrible heat wave here in Nebraska. But yes, um, it will get there soon enough, and you know we're less than three weeks away now, so it's it's going to be exciting. Yeah, 20 days from now, uh, Nebraska will be kicking off in Dublin, Ireland, uh, against Northwestern. Um, you know, once again, a big. First game out of the season, uh, kind of similar to what we talked about last year, um, just about how the importance of game one and getting the game one W to get this season started off on the right foot. And obviously, you know, last year just preached left and right about, you know, how game one was so important and it was going to set the tone for the entire season and this, that and the third. And, you know, that ended up bearing out. I mean, obviously, uh, the first first game against Illinois last year uh, pretty much was a microcosm for how the season went, you know, so we're looking to get things started off a little better this season, but, um, you know, a lot's happened here in Husker, Husker land since the last time we left off with you guys, which was, uh, I believe right at the end of the season after the Iowa game, another, you know, close, but not close enough, uh, game for Nebraska. But, um, you know, a lot's happening within the program, the roster, the coaching staff, um, a lot of different things. Obviously we hired four new assistants, Maybe finally hired a new uh, uh, special teams coordinator, which we so desperately needed. So, um, you know, just kind of diving back to that uh, the game in Ireland. What's what's kind of your take on you know this neutral site across the pond game? I mean, do you kind of like the idea of Nebraska kind of getting a little? I don't know. One, get, obviously going to get some national exposure because we're playing week zero, so we're the only show in town week zero, but um, just kind of neutral site games and playing across the pond over there in Ireland. Yeah, I think, you know, it being a neutral site game, um, it comes down to, you know, pretty much talent and talent alone. Right. And I I think that Nebraska has more talent than Northwestern on their roster. And also we're escaping an extra away game, even though we, we kind of make uh, – Northwestern Stadium, a home game. Um, it's still, you know, it's still their stadium. It's still that stupid grass field that they have. And right. Um, so I, th- I think, you know, with it being a neutral site field, it's it's beneficial for us. And it, it's exciting to be on that national stage. Um, it, and we thought the same thing going into Illinois last year, and that did not um, go well for us. But this is a little bit different. I think the last time we played overseas was like in 92 or something. Yeah, I believe uh, we played, uh, what, K-State over in like the Japan yeah. Bowl or something? Yep, something like that. So um, it's not anything I remember, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know you're going, so that's that's very exciting. But I think that, um, yeah, it's it's exciting. And, you know, I think the, the fact that we have more talent, um, it bodes well for us. But then again, you know, we have a lot of turnover, a lot of new faces, um, both – 
on the coaching staff and on the on the roster. So it might be a little hectic out there to start, but um, hopefully we can we can lean on that talent and come away with the win. Yeah, no, uh, Zach mentioned I'm going to be making that journey across the pond to uh, see our beloved Huskers take on uh, Northwestern. So super excited about that. Like I said, game kicks off in 20 days. Um, so me and my my father are making our way out there to uh, see, see the Huskers. Uh, when we're hoping, obviously that. You know my road game, uh, my road game record uh, changes. You know, for those of you new into the the podcast, uh, it's been kind of a running joke about any time I travel to see the Huskers play, uh, we always get beat. I've got a great uh, record of one one win and eleven losses in road Nebraska games. So that's we need to start treating that like a no hitter and just not talking about it. Yeah, it go away. I'm hoping that like maybe it's just limited to you know domestic, you know, just you know yeah. here in the states. Um, so hopefully that kind of breaks uh, internationally. So, um, but yeah, it's um, you know, it's we kind of said it last year, but this year obviously it's really really true. Um, everybody knows it's a make or break year for Frost. Um, you know, you say what you will about Frost, and obviously those of you who've listened know that I'm not maybe the biggest Scott Frost guy in the world, but uh, at the end of the day, he, he made an $8 million gamble on himself. You know, I mean, he could have not renegotiated his buyout and kept it at $20 million and they would have had to, you know, pay him $20 million to get rid of him. Now, they negotiated that down to twelve. so, you know, the guy's willing to bet on himself, I guess, so I'll give him at least that bit of credit, an $8 million gamble on yourself that you're going to be able to turn this around and get this thing pointed in the right direction. So, um, <laughs> but you know, as if everything, you know, you kind of start to off season, you kind of start talking yourself into things and things maybe have changed and whatnot. And then, um, you know, the big 10 press conferences come around and, you know, uh, Scott Frost gets to kick it off, you know, gets to be the, you know, the first one out of the gate after the, uh, commissioner. Um, so first coach to get up there and talk and kind of sell himself and sell, sell the program and, you know, Nebraska as a whole and, and true Scott Frost fashion, uh, you know, he, uh, he acted like an entitled jerk and, you know, uh, you know, forfeited his opening statement, you know, didn't, uh, have an opening statement and then just said, Hey, let's just get right to questions in which, uh, took about a two, three minute gap there of, uh, <laughs> catching the uh, press off guard, um, to a- finally get around to asking them a question. So, uh, you know, it just, we kind of think that maybe some people have changed and people are, you know, things are going to change. It's just things like that, that happen that just, you know, tell me that, He's probably hasn't changed a bit. And, you know, people are saying, well, you know, he just talked to the, the press for 30 to 45 minutes before he got up there and whatever. It's like, well, that's that's whatever. But this is your time to get up. That's what there. he's here. That's what he's there to do. To <laughs> go and talk to the media and answer questions. That's yeah. what Big Ten media days are. It's, it's called Big Ten media days. So. Uh, you know, I just thought it was a missed opportunity. You know, people can read into it what they want. People are, you know, well, the press is going to make their own narrative and, you know, do with this and do that. It's like, yeah, that's why you get up there and you speak for yourself and speak about the program. That way there's no assumptions to be made. There's, you know, no one can write their own narrative about it. It's this is what he said and this is what he didn't say. And the fact that you just got up there and, you know, forfeited a chance to, uh, you know, kind of promote yourself and promote the program just kind of was another very Scott Frost move. And so it's um, not off to a good start, you know. No. And and yeah, he he had a good opportunity there because 
the changes he made on the staff and you know he he showed he's finally willing to to make those necessary changes because you know his his you know old boys club of a of the staff it just wasn't working out anymore and no. he he realized he he had to make some changes if he wanted to keep his job and so you know with that being said he had the opportunity to stand at that podium and maybe put on a different front and you know show that not only did he make the changes in the on the in the background um, but also to himself and it, it just didn't it didn't show up that way and even some of the questions he took on he just seemed like very argumentative with with the uh, the the media reporters like you know for example one of them asked him about uh, handing over the the keys to the of the offense to Whipple right. and he said I I think you're wrong about that and said you know it's going to be a collaboration we're going to work together on this and then you know that that obviously wasn't what anyone wanted to hear. We're hoping that you know that's one of the major changes we'll see. Right. And then I think that after that little showing, I think Principal Trev Alberts called him into his office and gave him a scolding. And it showed in a couple uh, interviews after after the Big Ten media days. One being a short one with Fox Sports, where he did finally say. Whipple's going to be calling the plays. I'm going to be more of a manager of the team. I look forward to spending time with more, more uh, position groups and things like that. And then the same thing this last Friday with the Big Ten or with the Nebraska media after a after a practice. He he was open about that. He said the same thing. He also said that it's Casey Thompson's job to lose a quarterback. Right. And um, he also was actually speaking to injuries, which is unheard of um, after um, what we've what we've seen and heard from him in the past. So. Maybe he got a scolding, and that's what he needed is just that extra kick in the ass. But how many times can you get kicked before you start moving forward? I don't know. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it is what it is on that. You know, everybody's everybody has their own opinion on it. Some people would think it's no big deal. Some people think it's, you know, nothing, you know. But, you know, I I, I just think that the him being in the position he is in, you know, I mean, the what the CBS Sports poll came out and had him ranked as the worst coach in the Big Ten – um, which, you know, and the rankings are what they are, you know, it's just one person's opinion, but you know, if you actually just look at the stats too, I mean, <laughs> the stats also say he's the worst coach in the big 10. So it's just, it's just, you know, a bunch of little things. If that was Ryan day that got up there and said, you know, uh, you know, no to comment, you know, let's just go ahead and get into the questions. Not a big deal. But when you have the coach who's on the number one hot seat in the country, a coach that came in with all the hype, talking all the shit, you know, and, you know, hasn't been able to back it up and you get up there and you, you know, you punt on an opportunity to uh, get there and uh, talk about yourself and talk about the program. It's just kind of, you know, you know, how you do some things, how you do everything, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just uh, another, another not great moment for Scott Frost. But like I said, some people think it's a little thing. Some people think it's a big thing. It's yeah. at the end of the day, it's it's a wins and losses, uh, you know, resume. So, yeah. yeah, he's got that October ultimatum. Basically, you know, if he's not if, he, if he's not showing changes have been made and things are turning around and moving in the right direction, you know, there's that bye week in October where we either keep him or get rid of him. Is what it sounds like. And right. It's it's pretty black and white there, and and you know he needs to realize too that there's no one else to blame anymore. He's made the changes. He's got all these new faces. He, he doesn't have a fall guy like Martinez anymore around. He's, he's the one that's going to take all the blame if things don't go right. And, you know, just not a great start, but yeah, no. And, you know, a lot of people are, like you said, you brought up that uh, bye week in October. 
And, you know, I, some may say I'm a little uh, too extreme on some, some of my takes, but I think it's, I think he's on a one week contract here. I think he goes out and lays an egg and Dublin and loses. I think they give him the Lane Kiffin treatment right there. Make, right him, there. make him swim home yeah, right there on the tarmac. Hey, this is it. You know, I mean, it's, and people are like, Oh, well, you know, that's a little much, but it's like, you've got, you clearly have a coach and Mickey Joseph who is, on the up and up and probably going to be getting a head coaching job at some point. And I think that all the fanfare and I think he's just his whole persona. Um, I think people are really liking and wouldn't mind seeing Mickey get a, a crack at this job, you know, and mm-hmm. you come out and maybe lay an egg week one and lo- fuck around and lose Northwestern. I don't think it's out of the question to, uh, you know, let Mickey take the helms for the rest of the season, give him, you know, a 11 game tryout, but that's just me. Let's hope that it doesn't come to that. Let's hope Nebraska goes over there and take takes care of business. But, you know, I think that's how he needs to be coaching that. You know, this is, as I said it last year, it's all in for week one. This is the biggest game of his career. Mm-hmm. And this is going to dictate how the season goes. I mean, it's not only a conference opponent, it's a divisional opponent. So, and not to mention a one that is picked to be dead last in the division and the conference. So, it's a must-win situation for him. So, um, but you, with all that, um, obviously we talked a, a little bit about the conference staff changes, or the coaching staff conference staff, the coaching staff changes. Uh, Nebraska also transfer or turned into transfer U, um, and I guess that's probably more of a national thing than you know it is exclusive to Nebraska with the transfer portal being the way it is. Uh, Nebraska went ahead and added, I believe, 15 transfers. Is that, is that correct, Zach? That is correct. Uh, at a lot of key positions, obviously, our two, our two quarterbacks, um, Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy, obviously transferred in from one from Florida State, one from Texas. Um, our best transfer, Oshawn Mathis from TCU. Um, <clears throat> wide receiver from LSU. Uh, what's his name? I don't know. Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer. Um, yep. What's interesting too is of the fifteen transfers we brought in, eleven of them come from Power Five schools. Right. And so that's 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 a big deal. Yeah, and then the one not you know one of the ones not from the Power Five, the Isaiah Garcia, uh, the wide receiver from New Mexico State. They're looking at him to be you know like he's going to be a starting receiver. He's already put up mm-hmm. a bunch of production. Um, <clears throat> on top of that, we also added the the kicker of the year and uh, FCS level the punter of the year. So obviously uh, the punting and special teams game has been a huge issue for Nebraska. So um, then we had a transfer defense lineman from Alabama, Stefan Wynn. So we added in a bunch of, a bunch of new players, a bunch of players that we're going to be expecting to contribute year one. And then with the coaching staff, Zach, what, who do you think is going to be more, uh, who it's going to be more on or who's going to control more of how this season uh, plays out? You know, the new new players or the new coaches on the staff? I I would say the new coaches because they're the ones responsible for allowing those new players and the old faces to mesh and figuring out a way to, to kind of formulate that or to create that formula to, you know, put some new faces in there, that fresh, that fresh talent and, um, and mix it in with what we already have or, or what we're missing. And so, Really, I think, and with the, these new coaches, with these coaches, um, we've just we've created more of a professional atmosphere. I kind of alluded to it earlier, but guys like Whipple and and Mickey Joseph and 
Um, it just, and Bill Bush been around the game forever. It yep. just, um, that's going to really make a difference. I think, um, with, with the challenge they have ahead of them with all these new players. So I would, I would put it on the coaches at this point. Yeah, no, I'm with you th- there too. I mean, most of the time, you know, there's old saying, you know, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's, but you know, Nebraska's problem and or the Scott Frost tenure hasn't been the Jimmy's and the Joe's. It's been the, maybe not the X's and O's completely, but it's been the situational coaching um you could say nebraska situational coaching in football has been the worst in the country um it's cost us a lot of games um just a lot of uh you know situational awareness and i think bringing in a guy like whipple who's a little bit older um been around the block a little bit this isn't his best job he's ever had he's been a head coach he's been a offensive coordinator at a high level um he he coached a heisman finalist last year the blitnikoff winner last year so i think just having that experience in there and you know a guy that's not going to put up with frost's stuff you know which you know it's is kind of what i think uh nebraska needs so i think that the coaching staff or the new coaches are going to play a bigger part this season than actually the new trans transfer players are even though you're talking about a transfer quarterback and you know our defensive end oshawn mathis the top transfer um, I think the coaching staff is going to play a bigger part, and especially I think an underrated one. Obviously, Whipple and Mickey Joseph get a lot of the uh, attention, but you brought up Bill Bush, and I think Bill mm-hmm. Bush, um, I think that's going to end up being one of our best hires. You know, come season end, you know, we're going to look back, and you know, hopefully the special teams has turned around and he's made a big impact there. So, um, <laughs> but okay, so you've got you've got the transfers in and out. Um, the other thing that's been happening this year and it's now a year old is the NIL. Um, you know, the NIL deal kind of just, uh, opened like a floodgate, you know, and there's no real structure, no real rhyme or reason or rules basically of how this is going to play out. Zach, we're, we're one year in from NIL being passed or legislated or however you want to put it. Um, how, how has it played out to you? Is this kind of how, what you were thinking was going to be going on or what's kind of your one year intake of the NIL? I don't know. TBD still, I guess. Um, I don't, I don't notice it as much as I thought I would outside right. of the fact that it just gets brought up at every single press conference and, or, um, Q and a, um, you know, session that they might have with coaches or leaders of uh, universities, but, Outside of seeing just deals being done on Twitter and social media, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't notice it as much, again, as I thought I would. But um, I will say my favorite one so far is obviously DeColdis Crawford signing with SOS Heating and Cooling because that's just absolutely perfect. I but, mean, it, I like when you talk about NIL, like that's when I saw that, I go, this is exactly what this is for. I mean, this this is this is a match made in heaven here. Um, so shout out to uh, SOS Heating and Cooling um, for uh, the deal with DeColdis Crawford, uh, Nebraska's new freshman wide receiver. Um, you know, things like that, um, you know, I think it's great for. Um, it's, I mean, there probably needs to be some guardrails put on there. I mean, just this last week um, on the volleyball side of things, you had the the whole issue with uh, Kayla Caffey and John Cook, you know, said, uh, you know, she doesn't have a scholarship, but we're going to, you know, try to get her some NIL money to, you know, pay for everything. And it's like, we understand that's how it's working. <laughs> but he, I think the issue is he said the quiet part out loud. You know, it's not supposed to be 
we're going to basically pay this player fucking as an extra scholarship or whatever. So it's a, you know, it's a bidding contest. And I mean, you know, we won one of those bidding contests, you know, the Oshan Mathis ordeal, you know, it came down to us in Texas and, you know, there was numbers floated out there that he was asking for, you know, maybe a $200,000 NIL deal and, and all that. So it's, yeah, I, I'm with you on the to be determined. Um, it's obviously good to see players uh, getting some money. Obviously, they generate so much money for the university and for the state and whatnot. It's good to see see them being able to recoup, you know, some of that. Um, now, I think also it's probably humbled up some some of the guys on the team, you know, um, that maybe thought that they were worth a little bit more than uh, than they. Uh, than they actually are, um, <laughs> you know, just being honest, it's, you know, I think everybody on the team thought they're going to be getting, you know, SOS heating and cooling deals yeah. and all this and that. So, um, yeah, I think there'll end up being some, you know, some guardrails put on this, but to me, honestly, I think the bigger issue is that the transfer portal, um, if we're going to be completely honest, I think it just needs to be some more parameters put on there. I mean, I, obviously I think you should be able to transfer, but, um, you know, it's getting to the point where guys are going into four to five different schools. I mean, look on the basketball side of things. Our guy, Teddy Allen, went to Nebraska. He's going to his sixth university. Six. Six of them. After like a great showing in, in the end of the year last year. And yeah, for New Mexico State. Yeah. And I mean, then you go to like a guy like Jariah Horn, who was on Tulsa two different times. <laughs> he played for Tulsa two different times. Yeah. I mean, and now, like you said, it's out of control. But they're they're allowing allowing it to continue to spiral because they're they're taking parameters off of it. Right. They're saying there's not not going to be a penalty on on transferring going forward, or they're trying to get that to pass. Or it's hard to keep up, really. But um, and to that point, I don't know if you got the chance to hear what Garrett Nelson had to say about it at Big Ten Media Day, but yep. Uh, pretty much nailed it on the head. I mean, that guy really cl- clearly has it together and just in a nutshell said, doesn't teach people, you know, the values of what you need going or coming out of, you know, collegiate sports and, and life in general. And right. if it just shows you can pick up your ball and, and go somewhere else whenever you want, it's just, I don't know. It's not, it's not for the best um, in most cases. I feel like I think it's just getting out of control. You know, there's going to be certain circumstances where, yeah, we don't blame you. I mean, yeah. go do your thing somewhere else, but not just picking up and leaving every year just because you're not getting the attention you deserve or the playing time you think you deserve. Because, right. dude, look in the mirror. You're probably not getting that time for a reason. Yeah, exactly. If you've been to two places and you're not getting the time or playing time you think you deserve it, you know, it's time to time to look in the mirror and ask yourself if, you know, if you're really the guy you think you are. Um, but, you know, I mean, especially like after your freshman year, obviously, you know, like I think you should probably be able to transfer, you know, if the school is just not right for you or whatever, you know, some people don't like moving away from home. I get that. Obviously we had that issue with uh, all the Florida guys that we signed the one year. And of course that was the COVID year. So they moved up here and weren't able to do anything. Everything's closed down and being that far away from home. I, I get that aspect of it. Um, the graduate transfers, that makes total sense to me. It's like you came here, you graduated, got a degree. You should be free to transfer, but um, outside of that, you know, there needs, especially, you know, what we're seeing a lot of is guys transfer in, in conference in division, you know, back in the day you transferred in conference as a two year sit out. So it really deterred people from doing that. So, um, you don't want guys, I mean, even we have a guy on our, 
on our roster. That's all, all been on three, three teams in the Big Ten. Oliver Martin, he's played for Michigan. Big Ten West. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you're no. He started in Michigan, yeah. So yeah. Michigan, Iowa, and Nebraska. So we have a guy on our team that's, you know, been to three different locations inside the Big Ten. So I'm all for player movement and stuff, but, you know, it, you know, it's got to be some 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 more rules added to it. Just to you don't want to see guys transferring in conference to rivals and stuff like that. It's just it's too much. It's it's yeah, it's too much. So, and I suspect that there will be some some more additions to to the transfer portal uh, and rules or whatnot. But you know, Nebraska has been from it from this this year. I think we've added yeah. more than we lost for damn sure. Yeah, and, and you almost, as much as I hate to say it this way, but you almost have to to add a little of a human resources element to it and create a little due diligence on where you're going, why you're going, and, and have some boxes to check instead of just allowing it to be the wild, wild west. But then again, to your point too, about how, you know, we've embraced it this year, you know, it doesn't always work for everybody. If you go down the hall from Scott Frost to Hoiberg's office, I mean, he's got a turnover team every year and and it clearly has not worked. Um, and then, but then examples like Michigan State a couple of years ago, they kind of caught lightning last in the year. bottle. And oh yeah, last year yep. um, when they when they had that really really good transfer class, and they saw immediate success from it. So I think this is the first time we're really fully embracing it and dipping our, our toes in the in the transfer world yeah. um, water. And so you know, I'm I'm hoping that it pans out, but it's just. It's it's hard to believe that if you had a team as um, I don't know old or um, experienced I guess as as last year and you couldn't really get them to gel very well it's hard to believe that we're going to get you know a bunch of guys that have been here for a while and a bunch of new transfers to to gel right away um, this year but remains to be seen I hope it works out but um, it's just there's a lot of ifs. Yeah, no, and you brought up uh, Hoiberg and the basketball program. That's kind of what I feel like this year going into the football t- year. It's like I swear this is the least amount of uh, players I know know things about on the on the football team. Probably in you know my adult life. I mean, so many transfers and whatnot coming in. Like you know, we're we're talking about running backs that are potentially going to start. And I'm like, who who is that guy? You know, like who who's starting? Like I, the the wide receiver from yeah Anthony Grant. Uh-huh. I don't mm-hmm. know. I didn't. I don't know who that guy is. Um, or he, he got like two carries at Florida State. I think is where he came from. And okay, I think that that's his his rap sheet. Yeah, so far, perfect, <laughs> perfect. And apparently, apparently, he might start for us this year at running back. So. No, actually, um, career stats. He played in two games, five attempts, zero yards. Oh, so so the guy with five attempts, zero yards, is coming in, and apparently, uh, going to be the be our workhorse, I guess. Um, <laughs> Um, same thing with the Isaiah Garcia, the wide receiver from New Mexico State. It's you know, it's like I think we're going to be seeing a lot of new faces out there. Um, so I'm kind of just waiting until day one and seeing who's actually out on the field and who's not. Because um, you know, the running backs room and the wide receiver room seems to be pretty pretty damn deep. Um, mm-hmm. With a lot of guys, maybe maybe not with the prod- production, but at least with a high ceiling or guys that we have returning that we feel good about. Obviously, you've got uh, uh, Yant coming back. Um, you've got um, Ramir coming back, who was our our leading rusher last year. And so there's a lot of talent back there. Obviously, Gabe Irvin. Gabe Irvin, who was mm-hmm. just starting to have a breakout um, his freshman year until he blew out his knee. Um, so 
and you know, speaking of the transfer portal, we're probably going to see some of those guys in the portal, you know, the guys that find themselves in third and fourth on the depth chart that um, have actually already played, you know, might be finding themselves in a tough situation. So, and same thing with the wide receiver room. I mean, the transfers we have coming in there, um, and a lot of those guys are coming in and going to be playing right away. I mean, plus and the they guy- should. Yeah, and they should with the guys we have coming back. There's going to be some guys that we saw play last year that uh, we're not going to be hearing from this year or we're going to be hearing from them by putting their name in the transfer portal. So, Yeah, I, um, I just went and got the Athlon Sports College Football Preview magazine, and then I got the Huskers Illustrated, and opened up the Athlons and checked out the depth chart that they have here and mm-hmm. Wyatt Lure was on the two deep and I immediately just set it down and put it away because if yeah. that happens I'm gonna I'm gonna be really frustrated <laughs> if yep. you if you heard what Mickey Joseph said um, last week in one of the pressers after the practice he's got 16 guys and he's gonna be playing six right um, and as I have him pulled up here and you look at it you think Alante Brown he's been deemed as kind of the uh, the, the leader of the group. Um, you got the Garcia, we're going to go with IGC for him. Yep. I just call him Garcia. Isaiah Garcia. Omar Manning, Trey Palmer. And then that, that sixth spot is kind of up for grabs. I feel like maybe Grimes, um, or Oliver Martin, obviously. Um, yeah. And so a Marcus Washington from Texas, I guess he's another, another guy that's got some D one, um, experience that we could see out there too so we shall see yeah i mean it's going to be a lot of different receivers out there a lot of different players that maybe we haven't seen um so it's just going to be see who we gets ran out there week one um but i guess kind of circling back to we were talking about the transfer portal and you know people leave coming and going um, you know, it's also happening on the uh, university level. Um, obviously, the big the big talking point this offseason in college football was the addition of UCLA and USC uh, joining the Big Ten in 2024. Um, that kind of provides gives the Big Ten a real national national brand feel. Um, obviously, uh, going from coast to coast, you got Rutgers out there just outside of New York City, and now we're stretching all the way to. Um, LA. So especially adding a brand like USC, um, it's, I think it kind of improves the, the big 10, um, especially in the arms race against the SEC. There's not really too many teams that, um, you know, carry that kind of cachet as, uh, as USC does. So what was your kind of initial opinion of the big 10 adding those two uh, teams? It's it's just the twilight zone at this point, man. I, I mean, I've always been, you know, one for regional type of conferences. I think it makes the most sense, and it establishes more more rivalries, in my opinion. And yeah, I just don't see how any anybody you know on the East Coast is ever going to be truly rivals with a USC or UCLA. And rivalries is really you know the the foundation of college football, in my opinion. And so it's. I think you said it best at one point when you said, just burn it all to the ground and start from scratch. Um, And I think that just needs to happen at at some point because, you know, we're, we're going to be in, I don't know, four or five years. It's just going to be like three large 20 team conferences and, and then the rest are just kind of left behind. And, you know, I'm, 
I'm obviously a big, big fan of Maction. And if this happens, Maction just doesn't matter anymore. I mean, it doesn't really matter a ton right now, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's just the wild, wild west, much like everything else in college sports. And I don't know, there just needs to be a little more of a, a handle on it from from the higher ups. But that's just me. Probably sounds old school, but. Yeah. And I mean, it's for football, obviously, you know, it, you know, it works. You play once a week or whatever, but you know, it's those, it's the other sports, you know, the midweek softball games, you know, it's like, Oh, midweek softball game on Wednesday, Rutgers plays at UCLA. Um, It's things like that, that just are going to create issues. And, you know, obviously football pays the bills for everything. So people are going to be wanting to do whatever makes the most money. And now this TV money, is just getting ridiculous. You know, they're talking upwards of 100, $110 million per, per school for each of the Big Ten schools um, just for media rights. Um, so it's, you know, kind of like everything in life. It's kind of turning into the haves and has-nots, have, have and have-nots. And right now it's the Big Ten and the SEC and everybody else trying to get in where they fit in at. Um, there's only a couple more big brands out there to be added to, you know, uh, conferences. You know, I'm looking at Miami, Florida State, um, obviously the big one, Notre Dame. Um, you know, obviously Notre Dame makes a lot of sense. The Big Ten regionally, um, obviously they're right in our footprint. They're right there in Indiana. So Purdue's already there. Indiana's already there. So we already have two schools in that state. So Notre Dame's been a, you know, the – the big fish that the Big Ten's been trying to reel in for years. Um, but I'm wondering if this maybe kind of forces their hand now. And I think, um, you know, say what you will about Notre Dame. They're, they're still, to me, probably the top brand in college football, whether, you know, and I don't mean they're the best team or they're mm-hmm. the best players or anything like that. But I think the Notre Dame brand and cachet, um, I think, still carries the most weight in college football to me. Um, I don't know. What do you, how do you feel about Notre Dame? I mean, I think that would obviously be a great addition to the big 10. Yeah. It, it makes the most sense too, because we, the big 10 just has such a presence in that, in that part of the country. And, right. you know, they, they regularly play um, a lot of the teams that are already in the, in the big 10. And yep. I mean, the fact oh, that they won uh, at, at Ohio state, what a game. What's that? They start off uh, uh, at, at Ohio state week one this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, Nice little gift from the NCAA to give us for once. Um, but <laughs> yeah. no, Notre Dame definitely makes sense. They're just so damn stubborn. And, you know, they they feel like that from afar, it feels like they just feel like they're bigger than than the sport. Um, but that that's what a top brand is in most cases. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, it was just weird for them to play in the ACC. And they, they have those ties there when that makes a lot less sense than the Big Ten. But correct. I don't know. I, we'll see what happens. You, you can never really guess these things anymore. It's just one bombshell after another. Right. Yeah, it, exactly. It's uh, the, <laughs> the more they stay the same, the more they're changing. You know, you know, I will say this, obviously, with all the off-field stuff changing, um, it's changing daily and yearly. I mean, not minor changes. We're talking big wholesale changes. Um, I think the product on the field on Saturdays still still feels the same to me and still looks the same. Just the just if you only watch the on field product, I feel like it's still um, you know what I've been watching for the last you know thirty years. So I like mm-hmm. that aspect of it. But yeah, obviously the off field stuff, the transferring, the NIL, the conference realignment. I think that um, you know I think that 
uh, is obviously completely different and changing every year. But as far as on-field product, I think that we still get that uh, thing that we all love. You know, when I go there on Saturdays, I'm not, you know, thinking about the NIL deals or the transfer portal. It's just, you know, it's Nebraska versus Northwestern, you know, like that's all you're seeing. And so, you know, we still have that aspect of it. And so it's, uh, it's just becoming closer and closer to the NFL, you know, it's, um, which I don't know if some teams here eventually are going to get left out in the cold, you know, people keep bringing up, uh, obviously the conference expansion, but maybe at some point we start running into a conference, uh, contraction. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably needed in the big 10. I mean, Rutgers provides no value whatsoever. Like they, that's just, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade here. They, they provide no, no, nothing. They're not good at anything. You know, they're like have a top 50 basketball team every other year or something. But besides that, I have no idea what they're good at. They're, they're not good at volleyball. They're not good, good at football. Not good they at had baseball. their best, they had their best season ever in baseball this year and still got left out of the tournament. Sure did. Sure. <laughs> so no, did they No, it was Maryland. Who made it? Was it Maryland and Michigan? No, Rutgers got left out. They were like the 65th team, but then the 64th team, yeah. Ole Miss, ended up winning it. So yeah. they got to be pretty bitter about that. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> in Maryland, you know, they don't really have a, a lot to hang their hat on either. So, um, but it's it's going to be exciting to see how it kind of shakes out. Um, obviously, I'm, I feel you on the, the regional aspect of it. You know, there's no, hey, you want to get up really Saturday and drive to – USC for the game, you know, <laughs> like kind of in the Big Ten days or Big Twelve days, where you know Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State um, are all just kind of a weekend wake up early Saturday trip, you know, and get in the car and drive to the game. So you're missing that aspect of it. But um, you know, I've always been a big fan of um, out of conference games, especially like this year. We've got a good good bulk of out of conference games going on. I mean, obviously, we just talked about USC. Or, uh, excuse me, Notre Dame and Notre and Ohio State. Um, you got Texas, Alabama, Week One. You've got Georgia and Oregon, Week One. So, like, I definitely like seeing teams that are all bought in playing each other. You know, like, um, and I, th- I think that's probably what the point we get to eventually is the uh, the teams that are all in. You know, are going to break off and they're not going to be a part of the NCAA anymore. And we're just, it's going to be, like I said, closer to the NFL than anything. And um, I don't know, but um, it we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. But uh, Zach, what else? Uh, what else do you got here? I just you know, episode one just kind of wanted to break down what what's happened this off season. Um, there's been a lot of moving pieces, coaching staff, roster wise. But um, what else do you got for us today? Um, you know, I think that um, it's probably makes more sense to go through kind of a full season preview in the next episode, but just to just to give a little, um, you know, preview of that, um, we're going to ro- try and roll out a new little segment here. Um, I'm going to call Taylor's takes. Um, Taylor, you do you don't know you don't know what that consists of yet. So wild card, um, but pretty simple, um, straightforward stuff. Just going to give you a statement and and ask what needs to happen for that to come true. So, for example, ne- Nebraska wins a national championship game if. Your answer would be hell freezes over, you know, something like that. So um, pretty, pretty straightforward stuff here. But um, so the first one I have for you is we have a top 25 offense. If. If Mark Whipple is who we think he is. So, um, you know, 
Adam uh, Rittenberg, I believe, uh, put out a top top play callers list, um, top five play callers in the country. And it was, you know, your usual suspects, your Ryan Day, your Lincoln Riley, um, Lane Kiffin. And number five on that list came in at good old Mark Whipple himself. Um, so if Mark Whipple is who we think he is and um, can bring the things that he did well at Pittsburgh, I think that Nebraska's offense will flourish. Um, I think we've got enough weapons. Um, so between the question mark of Mark Whipple and the, the ultimate question mark of the offensive line. Um, but Nebraska has a top 25 offense if Mark Whipple is who we think he is. And uh, something else that Mark Whipple is, is hated by Pat Narduzzi now. But the fuck was that? Um, yeah, well, <laughs> we can maybe get we can get into that another time. But yeah, I mean, talk about throwing shade. Um, we have a top twenty-five defense. If um, if we can get after the passer, um, that's been Nebraska's biggest um, biggest uh, lacking thing on defense. Um, you know, I think our middle of the defensive line is a little thin. Um, you've been hearing them talk about it. So it sounds like they might be running a lot more even front uh, defensive lines because I think at rush end, you know, your rush end, outside linebacker, however you want to term it, edge player, I think we're relatively deep. I mean, we have both both of our returners last year, all three of them, excuse me, uh, which all includes potentially our best player, we think, Garrett Nelson, who's been is an absolute animal. We have our number one transfer portal guy, O'Shawn Mathis, has been a proven get-after-the-quarterback guy. Caleb Tanner is back for his 17th year at Nebraska. Um, and then, you know, a guy that I've been high on, been kind of waiting to pop, Blaze Gunnarsson. Um, I think, you know, Blaze Gunnarsson, his first team, all buffs. I mean, you draw up a defensive end, I think that's what he looks like. Um, just a big, tall, athletic guy, good build. Um, very long arms. I think this could be a season where we see him have his breakout. So I think that we feel pretty good about four or five guys being able to get after the passer. So um, Nebraska, if we can generate some more sacks, I feel good at mm-hmm. back end in our linebackers to uh, you know be, potentially be a top twenty-five defense. Yep, and we return we return both leading tacklers too, so that certainly will help. Um, Next one, Scott Frost keeps his job post ten twenty two ultimate ultimatum date. If if Nebraska is already bowl eligible, so one two three four five six seven. That would be seven games in. So we need to be six and one. Correct. Yep. So um, pretty cut and dry. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, that that date is you know our schedule this year is pretty you know. Uh, back in loaded. So there's a lot of winnable games. I mean, I think FPI's got us a chance, like an 80% chance of starting off the season five and one. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's there, it's there to be had, you know? So if we're, if we're yeah. eligible by that first bye week, process job is secure. Speaking of FPI, FPI has us to win the big 10 West. So that that leads me to my next question: We win the Big Ten West if if Nebraska has a thousand yard rusher. I would agree with that. Um, it's been did did Dietrich Mills get to a thousand yards? He did. He did. Okay. Yeah. So it's we didn't have one last year. Our leading rusher was our quarterback, which 
clearly highly doubt that we see that again, um, especially given Whipple's past. Um, he's not really a run-the-quarterback guy, and none of our quarterbacks are a running quarterback. So um, I think if we have a 1,000-yard rusher, and and it's really not the yardage you're looking for, just the our bell cow. We need a one guy that is our go-to guy in the backfield and not – I mean, I think we literally had five guys start at running back last year. Mm-hmm. So getting that one dude that we have in the backfield, that is our go-to. Um, I think that we can establish the run game, obviously give the offensive line some help. You know, it's easier to run block than pass block. So get those big, big uglies moving forward and not backwards. Um, yep. It'll help them out. Last one for you. You consider this a successful season if... If we hit the overs, uh, Vegas has us set at uh, seven and a half. If we hit the overs, um, it means we win eight games. And I think that's clearly a successful season coming off a three-win season. Um, <laughs> well, what uh, the stats, we've, this is our fourth year doing the podcast. And as a podcast, we have a record of 11 and 21. So, you know, we're, we're on the hot seat ourselves of getting fired with that kind of record. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, so it'd be a successful season if we hit the overs. Um, so right. eight wins um, with this way the schedule sets up, it's more than reasonable, um, mm-hmm. too. And, you know, you brought up the FPI uh, in Vegas has us favored to win the Big Ten West, which is odd because the coaching, uh, coaching polls have us uh, picked fifth in the big 10 plus. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of, we're always good on paper and then <laughs> the paper, it hasn't translated. And that's basically what that tells me. It's like on paper, yeah. we have the most talent in the big 10 West and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, not playing the games on paper and playing them on the field. Yep. And Vegas likes to take advantage of the naive Nebraska fans and love some Nebraska money. Well, they're going to have my money on the unders. So, (laughs) (laughs) and you know, well, you're betting against team. No, I would love to lose that bet. I would love to lose every last fucking dollar of it. But, uh, you know, until, until proven otherwise, that's what we call hedging our bet. Yep. Well, there it is. Your first ever Taylor's takes. I like it. I, yeah, that was, uh, I was kind of off the cuff, and uh, I think that went well. I think Put you on the hot seat a little bit. Hey, you know, I liked it. That was good shit there. So, <laughs> But, uh, no, you know, uh, kind of just putting a bow on the episode, you know, Zach and myself have had a lot of big uh, life changes uh, happen to us since uh, the last time we left off in, what, December? Yeah. Yeah, in December. So, uh, what, I believe we both started new jobs. Both new uh, jobs. New houses. Yep, that, uh, any, that happened any, too. Anything else got going on this week, Zach? Um, today is August 7th, 2022, and tomorrow, August 8th, 2022, I will have a son. Most likely the first ever six-star quarterback um, out of high school being born tomorrow. So, yep. um, you know, be, be looking for that. But, no, very, very excited. Um, and, yeah, like they say, Bob Dylan said it, times are a-changing. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, so, so, new houses, new jobs. Uh, Zach's kid, new son, due tomorrow. And then what about you, Taylor? Um, and then, you know, uh, I decided to go ahead and jump into that. And so, my son, due, due uh, October 15th, 2022. Um, you know, there's already, I'm already hearing a lot of comparisons to uh, uh, a young Ronnie Lott. 
Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, the expectations are obviously high. So uh, we're excited to, you know, bring our two boys into this. Me, me and Zach already have two little girls. So now we're getting our, our namesakes. So obviously thrilled about we're, that. We're evening the playing field at home. Correct. So we're thrilled about that and, you know, thrilled about this upcoming season. Um, there's a lot on the line, a lot of things changing, but, um, you know, football season's here again, finally. So um, we already had the Hall of Fame game this what, last week. So there's football being played. And that's always a we're good in. time. <laughs> we, we have arrived. <laughs> exactly. It's always a good time. We're, we're having the appetizer. Right. So that's it. You know, next week, uh, you know, Zach will have a child. So we'll try to get another one squeezed in here and, you know, one or two more um, before. And then, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, I'm I'm going to be making the trip over to Ireland. So we try to put something together over there and, um, you know, let everybody know how it's going and what's happening over there. And hopefully uh, I don't travel 20 hours across the pond to come home with a with an L. So <laughs> just, just win, baby. So. Um, right. excited, excited for the upcoming trip. I mean, the game is 20 days away, so it's, uh, upon us and, uh, we're ready for it. So big season, big season for frost, big season for the Nebraska football program. So prove it season. Yep, exactly. So anything else you got, Zach? Go big red, baby. GBR, baby. We'll uh, talk to you guys next week. This is the Big Red Revival.